0: Welcome to the first of three special airline business podcasts recorded live at this year's Paris Air Show. I'm Lewis Harper, the Managing Editor of Airline Business, and over the next few days I'll be guiding you through all the goings on in Le Bourget. The main aim is to give you a sense of what it's like to be at and work at the show, so some of this will have a kind of behind the scenes feel to it, but we'll also uh, make some time to cover some of the biggest airline related news stories from each day. This is Monday's podcast and we'll be recording a similar one tomorrow. Then on Wednesday we'll do one that takes kind of a broader look at everything that's gone on at the show. You can keep up with all of Flight Global's coverage from Paris Airshow at flightglobal.com forward slash Paris 2019, including four fantastic issues of Flight Daily News which are produced on site. And don't forget to subscribe to and rate the podcast using your usual app. Just a quick note that the sound quality on some of these podcasts might not be up to our usual standards. We're recording it as we move around the show, so we don't have the usual time to make sure all the balances are correct and all that kind of thing. Anyway, over to me in Paris. So it's just coming up to 9am. I'm here with Graham Dunn. I'm um, executive editor of airline business, and we're just looking ahead. I think to a, a busy day, aren't we, Graham?
1: It looks like it might be quite busy. It's always a bit mysterious at Paris. You're kind of waiting to see what's going to be firmed up, what's going to be, um, what's going to come, and where the press conferences are. As yeah. far as the, the the big story at the moment looks, where there are two. There's Boeing. We're going to give their a kind of a overview state of the nation. We'll probably get asked about the um, Mac max situation amongst other things and maybe uh nma which is this mid range oh i won't even pretend to uh, <laughs> uh there are experts who could talk about that in better range yeah. but that will be a response to airbus and it's mm. mm, it has a big press conference around the yeah we're expecting
0: the a321xlr to be to be launched at mid-morning so that
1: as you say that that's um, the, the competitive pressure on boeing at and a different Time for them, and then the interesting bit from our side is who's going to be there. So Which airlines is going to be there? Shouldn't they? Yeah, um, and we already know um, you'd expect, wouldn't you? Possibly some US carriers with the the
0: XLR. We, we'll we'll find out soon enough. And we know there are a few press conferences lined up involving, I think, Virgin Atlantic and doing something a bit later, and AirAsia. AirAsia
1: are here. Um, There's quite a lot of aircraft lessor stuff. Then whether these actually happen or happen mm. at the time you want, uh, um, or the time they said, remains to be seen. So. Yeah, and we'd expect some surprises, I think, along the way. Hopefully, yeah. So um, back with you in a bit.
0: So it's just coming up to ten o'clock on the first morning. Um, one thing worth noting, which is a, a relief for us so far, is the, the fantastic weather. I don't want to tempt fate, but it's clear blue skies, nice and warm. Um, we've experienced. Plenty of extremes in terms of the weather at recent air shows. So I think um, Paris a few years ago. I remember commenting that seaplane operations were were possible on the the main runway here at Le Bourget. Um, and then I think the last Paris it got up to kind of 40 degrees plus. So um, so far so good. But as I say, I don't want to tempt fate. We're looking at decent weather, which will be great for the flying displays. You can already hear. Some aircraft flying overhead. I have to say, as a journalist, that can get quite annoying when you're trying to concentrate on the story. But, um, but anyway, yeah. As I say, we're we're just waiting now, really, to hear what the uh, the two big airframers have to say during their first press conferences. So, let's see. So, you can probably imagine how annoying that gets when you're trying to concentrate. So I'm here with David Kaminsky morrow So David, you were at the um, Airbus press conference this morning when they wasn't a great surprise they announced the A321XLR, so what, what sort of markets are they aiming that at? In terms of airlines? Well the, the
2: XLR is a uh, it's an extended range version, uh, another extended range version of the A321neo. It's a follow-on from the, from the A321LR which mm. uh, has a range of about 4,000 nautical miles and with a bit of jiggery-poker in the fuel tanks they've come up with the XLR which gives the aircraft a range of 4,700 nautical miles. So you're talking about um, you know, some additional extra extra capability to do routes like uh, down from China down to Australia, from mm. India over to Europe, uh, uh, to the UK, places like that, and uh, it, it just gives that just that extra bit of um, cushion for for, for airlines that, that want to operate the aircraft on routes that might not necessarily support. Uh, support a wide body or justify that kind of expense you know it gives the yep. airlines yeah, an opportunity for some to operate thinner routes without yep. uh, with with less risk
0: do you think um a few people have expressed concerns about you know, the comfort angle you know doing these long-haul flights in narrow bodies is that something you just think people have just got to get used to or is it is it just well, that's, in the yeah that's a real that's a big question because it's
2: i mean most people they are traveling long haul they've become used to all the comforts of, of Long haul to an hour travel mm. and single aisle aircraft were never really designed for that, you know. It, it, and it's down to sort of practical practical reasons, yeah, um, that, uh, practical considerations that you have to uh, think about. You know, things like <laughs> catering, you know, you've got uh, less space to, for, for things like catering to feed your passengers, you've got issues such as uh, lavatories, you know, you can't just stick. Uh, Lavatory modules, uh, uh, regular regular intervals along the aircraft, and that then brings up questions as to whether you want economy passengers queuing up in the in the business cabin and things like that. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of new considerations that come up from this. Yeah. Aside from the fact that if you're spending eight, maybe nine hours in a single aisle jet, it's going to feel more claustrophobic than if you're in a twin aisle, mm. and uh, and that's something that passengers simply may have to get used to. All
0: right. And we've seen um, uh, a lesser place an order. Is that right? Are we expecting more orders this week? For... We've had a,
2: a start-off tentative order from Air uh, Lease, uh, which uh, took the XLR as part of the package for about uh, 100 aircraft. Uh, that's split between 50 A220s, and then uh, the, the rest of it is, is more or less split equally between the XLR and the uh, and, uh, and the 321neo. Mm. And uh, but there's also a firm order that's come in from Middle East Airlines, which increased its A321 neo order earlier this year quietly to 15 aircraft. And so we've just found out that four of those aircraft are going to be the XLR version, so that basically makes Middle East Airlines a launch customer.
0: Great, okay. And Airbus, generally at, at the show, how, how is the move there? It must be a bit difficult because they don't want to be, they know their main rival is. Going through an incredibly tough time with the 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 Max and everything like that. How how is
2: the mood at Airbus? I think Airbus is on. Airbus has got a few things going for it. It's on its it's on its kind of home turf. The Paris Air Show is very much Airbus's uh, fortress. Airbus, if you like. Um, They've also they're also celebrating the 50th anniversary. So they've got they've got reason to be fairly buoyant. I they they certainly they're certainly aware of the issues that. Uh, Boeing's going through at the moment, but they're not—they're not crowing about it by any by any means. You know, it's—it's uh, it, it's just that's that's part of the aviation business, and uh, an Airbus is getting on with what Airbus does, and uh, um, Boeing will recover in time.
0: Okay, great. Thanks for your time, David. And that's blood. So I'm joined now by John Hemmerdinger from our U.S. team. Uh, John, you've been following going on at Boeing. Obviously, an incredibly difficult time for them. We've seen no no orders for them today or
3: anything, but how, how's kind of the mood uh, of Boeing this morning? At yeah, the press yeah, yeah, thanks Lewis. Uh, the mood is um, more restraint and more discussion about um, insisting that they deal with the 737 Max problems and get that aircraft back in the sky before they move forward with just about any other program. It seems to be what they're saying in, in not so many words, and every comment that almost any executive has made today about almost anything has been prefaced by um, our primary focus is to get the 737 MAX back in the skies safely or something Mm. to that degree. Okay, do you get a sense, because I know a lot of people talked about
0: whether people who are paying to fly on these aircraft are going to be worried about flying the MAX in the
3: future. Is that, did did Boeing say anything about that or? Boeing has, yeah, Boeing has only said that they expect to to have some kind of campaign or some kind of effort to uh, to make sure that the community, the passengers, airlines, regulators, everyone, make sure that everyone has trust in the aircraft. They haven't said how they're going to do that Mm -hmm. and uh, they have been asked directly whether or not they, have, they will consider or they will rebrand the aircraft mm. and they have not, uh, I don't believe they've said yes or no, they've said again that their primary focus is getting it back into the skies but they have said that they are going to be working on some marketing efforts once that happens and also said that they're going to be working with pilots mm. um, uh, uh, maybe as part of an effort to help reinstill trust, um, in the trust gra- in, in the broader community. Okay, good. And uh, some not-so-great news as well on the, the 777X, is that yeah, right? That, that's right, yeah. Uh, it was largely expected that Boeing was going to have the 777X in the skies with the first flight by now, or, or certainly very, very soon. Last week we learned that General Electric discovered a problem with a component in the high-pressor compressor. Of the GE9X, mm-hmm. and we didn't know too much about that. We we learned today that they're going to have to redesign that component, and that the redesign and subsequent testing is going to take several months. And that now GE um, thinks that the GE9X cer- certification could may not come until fall. So it's going to be several several more. Um, several more months, and that seems to suggest that then uh, Boeing or Boeing will not get a 777X back into the skies until later this year, um, towards the end of this year at the earliest, and then we have a year-long, a year-long under best-case scenario is typical, uh, uh, an aircraft certification, which puts the 777X's final certification by the FAA possibly sometime into next, at the end of next year. Boeing's always said that they want to get it certificated by the end of next year, but now we seem to be pressing up against 2020. So it's coming close to um, to getting towards the the outside edge of their goal. Okay. And uh, obviously the big story today was
0: Airbus launching the 321XLR. Um, Did Boeing say much about the NMA?
3: Um, They they touched on it briefly, uh, but again, when they touched on it, they said that their primary focus is the 737 MAX. What they have said is that they continue to consider whether or not this year they're going to decide to offer the aircraft, and if they do decide to offer it, a formal decision to launch the aircraft would not come until next year, uh, and an entry into service. They still say it would be 20 to around 2025. But Boeing's now Boeing's now behind the ball of, behind the ball on this, and behind Airbus on this. So they may be playing catch up a little bit. Their other message has been to question whether passengers will be um, will be comfortable enough or accepting enough of flying for eight or nine hours on a narrow body aircraft. Mm-hmm. So kind of throwing some holes in Airbus's marketing. Excellent. Strategy. That's great John, thanks very much for your no, my time. My pleasure, thank you.
0: So it's just gone midday here in Paris, um, just out of the uh, Airbus chalet, and uh, well, it was a bit of a surprise with Virgin Atlantic announcing an order for um, 20 A330 Neos in total, with 14 firm and six on option. Um, it's fair to say we weren't necessarily expecting a significant wide body order like that, particularly from Virgin Atlantic. They've already got um, 12. A350 on on order and are due to receive their first one in the coming months. I think um, Shai Weiss from Virgin Atlantic was um, talking about how these are obviously with replacement of older generation aircraft in mind but also looking ahead to the um, expansion at Heathrow um, and he says the the airline with that in mind aims to double its um, presence at the the London hub Um, so that's probably with maybe a slightly optimistic kind of uh, date of around 2026 if if the third runway happens So it's early Monday afternoon here in, in Paris, I've just had a, a brief look through AirAsia X's first A330neo, um, fairly standard cabin, nothing, um, nothing particularly exciting there massive, as you would expect, a massive economy section and a few few business class seats up front. I think the really interesting point about these aircraft coming into service with Air X is the the opportunities as they open up in terms of network and I gra- I did grab a quick chat with the Air X group CEO who who said exactly that that you know he's talking about maybe next year launching services to the US and or Europe. So um maybe there will be the airline that can really make that those kind of low cost long haul routes work. We look at you know, Norwegian for example that couldn't make London, Singapore work so yeah, there's a lot to be proven but um, those new A330 Neos are obviously incredibly significant for that carrier. So we're getting towards the end of the afternoon here in Le Bourget. I'm joined by Graeme, now Graeme you look after our a world-famous order tracker that runs on FlightGlobal.com during these these big air shows. How, how's it looking?
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's always uh, interesting. This one actually today appears to have been quite simple, and one of the reasons for that is um, there hasn't been a huge amount of activity. Um, mm. This we uh, This basically records. It's a tracker that records all announcements that are made during the show, and some of those are re-announcements of earlier stuff, and you know some of them are announcements of stuff that hasn't happened for however long. Mm. Even taking that aside, this is the, the quietest first day we've had uh, at um, one of the big air shows, whether it be Paris or Farnborough, in the six, seven years or so we've done that. Mm. And that maybe isn't a surprise on the on the eve of the show, uh, obviously with everything that's going on with Boeing and our, um, its commercial chief said this is not going to be a typical show for us. Mm. And uh, Boeing, there'll be no, no orders from them as of sort of four o'clock whatever the time is now uh, so it looks uh one of the reasons it, it is pretty quiet
0: yeah and on, on
1: the airbus side um they're obviously keen not
0: to be seen to be kind of taking advantage of, of boeing's misfortunes but they obviously launched the new new type the a321xlr this morning and a couple of orders around that
1: yeah so. there were a couple around that so uh, the big one is uh uh biggest equipment was air Lease, and air Lease obviously uh, uh, an absolutely huge uh Lessor, in particular, with its uh, chief Stephen Rudava Hazy, uh, seems something of a guru of planes. So get, to get their uh, endorsement is um, uh, a big thing. And, and then there was a, a, a small—it was a swap rather than an order, but it's still a new. Uh, customer of the type from Middle East Airlines. Mm. Perhaps the interesting thing, or even more interesting thing um, uh, for Airbus with Airlease today was um, a big order, uh, 50 aircraft for um, the A220, mm. which is the old uh, C-series uh, project that they had, um, which they bought off. Mm. Uh, Bombardier about a year or so ago. It's been
0: pretty quiet on that front, haven't they? Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And this is the first, you know, their first major certainly once it gets foamed up uh, piece of business since they uh, announced uh, JetBlue and uh, the David Nielman-based startup last uh, last year, which was for another hundred or so aircraft. So that's a pretty significant deal. Yeah, that's great. And we
0: saw, uh, we mentioned this morning actually in our the kind of first segment of this that we knew Virgin Atlantic were gonna be doing something. But I, I wasn't expecting a significant wide body order today. That was
1: Absolutely. a surprise, yeah. And those uh, those eight aircraft, uh, so it's 20 aircraft in total, but eight, eight through So years, were the, uh, were almost the only firm mm. actually signed, ordered in the uh, order books, a uh, bit of business today. Yeah. The other business came from Embraer, um, uh, later in the day um, and United Airlines ordered a, uh, a follow-on order for about 20 uh, Embraer 175s so um, uh, and, that, and that rounded off the business so uh, for today I think total as, as it stands is about 134 commitments of which 28 are around firm Thanks Graham so you can keep up with the order tracker at
0: flightglobal.com forward slash Paris uh, we hope you've enjoyed today's kind of run around the show with me and, and various other people from the Fly Global team and uh, join us again tomorrow for more of the same, thank you.